Hey, this is Steve, and this podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. Today, I'm starting a brand new message series called Think Like Jesus. I mean, let's be honest, if you and I are going to experience victory, if we're going to overcome in this world, it means we're going to have to think differently. And this series is designed to help you have the mind of Christ, to help you make the jump from knowing about Jesus to knowing his thought patterns that will change your life. Well, I'm doing this series now for four weeks because to me, it seems like this world has just gone crazy. Am I right? I mean, you look around and this planet is a real different planet than it was just a few years ago. And we Christians don't even know what to think about it half the time. Right? I mean, because we're caught off guard. We're surprised at the progress that it seems like our enemy has made on us in the last few years. And every day, every day, everywhere you go, every day, all the time, you're confronted with issues that you have to think about, right? Everything from, you know, your child acting out to those hurt feelings of a friend, from from that kind of personal stuff all the way to the COVID pandemic and the Black Lives Matter and the illegal immigration issues and the LGBTQ community and all that stuff, all that stuff. It it confronts us and we aren't sure how to think about it. And let's just be honest, we're not sure how to think because we've got two very different opinions that work against each other in our own heads. Honestly, I mean, think about the illegal immigration issue itself. Just that one, that one little thing. You know, on one hand, Of course we want to provide for and protect these people that are coming from a very harsh existence. And we don't want to put children in cages or separate families. I mean, we want to do what we can. That's what Jesus would do. He would love those people and care for them. But but on the other hand, what they're doing is illegal. It's a crime, and you got to punish crime. If there's no justice, there's no law. If there's no law, there's no... There's no order for anything. So you've got these two completely different views. And how do we really think? Are, are we really going to be all justice and no grace, no love? But can we really afford to be all grace with no justice? How do you think about these things? And for a lot of us as Christians, we just we get this unsettled, confusing war that happens in our own minds, our own hearts. Because we look at these things and we don't really know how to deal with them. Our mental patterns are broken, right? I mean, it's just unclear. Everything is no, no longer black and white. Everything is gray, just a different shade of gray all the time. So we've always got that conflict. We're always unsettled. We're not sure who we are, how to think, what would Jesus do? Not really sure, This is the first blank on your page if you're taking notes. It's this, our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Our thoughts are just not like his thoughts. God is certain. God doesn't waver. 
He doesn't change his opinion based on the political winds that are blowing, right? He doesn't change his mind based on whatever you and I might think or whatever's in the news media or what might get votes. God is certain all the time. He's confident. He knows who he is and what he's about. He's unwavering. He's the father of lights casting no shifting shadows. But we're a little of this and a little of that. We're here and we're there and we're unpredictable. We have this conflict in us. Our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Wasn't supposed to be that way, right? We were created in God's image to be like him. I mean, can you imagine how wonderful it must have been for Adam, who, if he ever had a doubt in his mind about how to think, no problem, I'll just wait till the cool of the day because God's going to come along and walk with me and talk with me. So if you ever have any doubt, I mean, you can just talk to him and just pick his mind and see what he's thinking. I mean, that must have been a wonderful thing. That's the way God intended for us to be perfectly aligned with him. But we chose to rebel against him. For whatever reason, we chose that rather than align ourselves with the king of all kings, we wanted to make ourselves a little king. You know, we thought that our kingdom might be better than his kingdom. So we chose to rebel against the king. We became traitors against God, criminals in his kingdom. And so God must punish sin. The wages of sin is what? Is death. And so God punishes. He wipes out everything that's not of him. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, who was perfectly aligned with him, had the mind of his father all the time, always in communion with his father. Jesus came here, lived a perfect life here in this world, never sinned at all. And then he went to the cross, and God punished all of my sin in Jesus on the cross. Everything that I had ever done, Jesus paid for on the cross. He died in my place and he rose again so that he can live in and through me and you. Changing us, making us new, reforming us into God's image once again. That's his goal for you and for me. He wants his presence to be that powerful in our lives to where other people around us who don't know the power of the presence of God can see him clearly through us. That's what he's doing in you and, and in me. It's redeeming us but even so, even with all that, I often don't know how to think about the issues of this world, about the things that happen to me, about the problems that I face, right? So what happens is I respond based on the way I feel. Am I right? I mean, what happens to me is things come along and they're catastrophic, disastrous, painful, scary, and I don't know what to do. And so what I do in most cases is I do whatever feels right. I do whatever will protect me. I do whatever will make me feel better. I'm led very easily by my emotions, right? Right? Come on, am I right? And our emotions for a lot of us dictate our responses. 
our emotions do. Now, I believe that God designed you to be an emotional person. All of us are emotional beings, and God uses all of us, including our emotions, to guide us. But far too often, my emotions aren't sanctified. They're just my emotions. They're not in God's hands to use. I've hoarded them to myself. And what I do is I act out of my emotion when I've got stress, when I've got pain, when I've got sorrow. And here's the next blank on your page. When you aren't sure, your emotions will tend to lead. I just want to get that out there for us today. When you're not sure what to do, it's your emotions that will tend to lead. Your emotions will step in and they will be the ones to speak into your actions a lot of times. This is what the world wants you to do. The world wants you to be led by your emotions. Follow your heart. Do whatever's right for you. But that's not at all what God says. God says your heart is deceptive above all other things. Your emotions are betrayers to you. And God's got a plan for your life, but man, your emotions want to take you in any direction but that plan most of the time. When you aren't sure, your emotions will tend to lead. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty, with this crazy, schizophrenic war in your head going on, divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. I like that. Blown and tossed by the wind. I, I feel like that's the way I am when it comes to my emotions. You know, if you get me on a good day when I'm in a, in a happy mood and you hit me with something bad, I might be like, ah, it's cool, man. It'll be all right. We'll take care of that. But if you hit me on a bad day, right, you get me when everything else is all falling apart and you hit me with something negative, guess what? I'm, it's all going to be ugly. Am I right? Blown and tossed by the wind. Don't be that way. He says this. He says, such people who are blown and tossed by the wind, look at this, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I can't tell you how many times on your response cards we get prayer requests asking for clear direction from God. Give us, please pray that God will give us clear direction about the sickness. You know, or about this job situation, or about our family issues. Our kids are going off the deep end. You know, please ask God to give us clear direction in this and the other thing. All the time I'm hearing that, but the person that's blown and tossed by the wind should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He goes on and he says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do unstable don't you don't you long to to be free from the instability don't you want to stand firm your feet planted strong in confidence knowing which way to go not being knocked back and forth one way and another don't you want to have something strong to stand on so that when the wind does come you're not going to fall to the storm but you're going to stand despite the storm. Am I right? Isn't that what you want in your life? 
You know, we want peace from God. We want to live in the blessings of the Lord. We want to experience his presence and his power and to stand on that true foundation. And in order to do that, what we need is, in fact, this is the next blank on your page, we need the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ. Let me explain what I mean by that. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about two different kinds of people spiritual people and unspiritual people. And here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 2. He says, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. This is really interesting to me. So people who aren't spiritual can't even receive the truths from God's Spirit. In other words... I believe that God is at work in your life all the time. I think that God is active and moving. He's not distant and silent. He's doing things. He's opening doors and he's closing doors. He's putting you on the path, speaking into your life and giving you that clear direction you want. But people who aren't spiritual can't even hear it. It's like he's speaking in a foreign language that just fades into the background that you don't even understand can't hear it, can't receive the truths from God's spirit. He, he goes on, he says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But, he says, we understand these things. We have understanding, for we have the mind of Christ. For Paul, the spiritual person is the person that has the mind of Christ. I want to be really clear about this. The spiritual person is the person who thinks like Jesus. That's a spiritual person. They've had their mind transformed by God. He's doing something. He's active. He's speaking to you. But so many times you just can't hear it. And Paul is implying that the reason you can't hear it is because you aren't thinking like him. Wouldn't you like to be able to think like him? If I could just think like him, I would probably make far fewer bad decisions in my life. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you, don't you wish, looking, looking back on your life, don't you wish that you'd have had the mind of Christ before that first marriage. Don't you wish you'd have had the mind of Christ before you got into trouble at work? Don't you wish you'd have had the mind of Christ before you got addicted? I mean, we could go back and look at so many times where if we'd have just been thinking like Jesus, we probably wouldn't step in it like we did over and over and over again. But having the mind of Christ would probably mean you'd be making a lot better decisions a lot more of the time. Am I right? Yes. So we need the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, God actually speaks, and we actually know what he's saying. So that's why I'm doing this series. That's why this series starts today is because I want for us to be able to explore and discover the mind of Christ. I want us to set our minds 
on Christ. So what does it mean? What does it mean to set your mind? Just think about it for a second. What does it mean to set your mind? I always think of fixing my mind on Jesus, focusing on, you know, that end result, looking forward to the finish line, seeing him there, and hopefully, you know, you go where you look. You always get there, aim there. But let's look at what Paul says about it in Colossians. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things here on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you're all about Christ. This is who you are to be about. Christ is the one that is above. Christ and everything about him are the things that are Above, So set your minds on Christ, the things that are above. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. All right, so set your minds. This is an interesting phrase. It's actually a word in Greek, and the word is phroneo, phroneo. That is a special word, setting your mind. I think it means to be focused on something far away, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying set your mind as in, you know, the beginning of a basketball game. When they do the toss and the tip off you know and, and so the the two basketball players are there at the half court line and before the ref throws the ball they get set they're set and as soon as he throws the ball they're you know they don't stand there like this he throws the ball up and they're like no what, what do they do they get set so that they can hopefully be ready to jump higher than their opponent and knock the ball towards their team, right? They're set. They're in position. He says, Phroneo, set your mind. Be set and ready for some kind of action. I looked up in some commentaries, and I saw words like this. Being set, Phroneo, is the inward impulse and disposition. Your inward impulse. In other words, what's your go-to disposition so think about it just think about it don't answer me out loud but when that scary awful ugly thing hits your life hard all of a sudden you find out that that diagnosis came in and it's bad or you find out that she might be leaving you or the business all goes south you, whatever it is that all of a sudden hits you, what's your first go-to in your head? Is it negativity? Is it fear? Is it cynicism? Because this pastor has this problem. I tend to go with my emotions all the time. You know, so I find out, oh, guess what? Your truck is broke again, and uh, you got to rebuild the whole transmission. It's going to cost more money than, you know, you have to just spend on this. And too often, too often, my first reaction is, God hates me. Right? Too often, I'm like, ah, oh, one more thing, because I just had this come due, and I just had to pay that, and my bank account has depleted all the way down, and guess what? It's this. It's, it's just even worse than you even thought it was. And my first response tend to be, tends to be an emotional, negative response. But what Paul is telling us is we've got to freneo. We've got to change our thought pattern. We've got to get set 
in him. So he's not just who you're looking toward, but he's also where you're starting from. Does that make sense? You don't have to just get to him. You got to be in him, right? He is at work now. And where are you in your thought process? He said in this commentary I read, uh, it says most, sorry, both must be directed at things above, <clears throat> above. So your inward disposition and your focus must both be directed at things above. He says, you must not only seek heaven, you must think heaven. So it's not just some place you got to get. It's where you are right now. Freneo means to reprogram your thinking, to change your disposition so that you can communicate and understand God's plan for your life. How many of you have ever been into a foreign culture where you didn't speak the language? Anybody here? I, I know quite a few in the last service. Yeah, I, I remember um, the first time I went to Ecuador and then again when I went to Guatemala, I, I, I had not taken Spanish classes since I was in high school. And we all know how well you did in Spanish in high school, right? So not, not so good. So in preparation for going to these South American countries, I thought I would do some studying in Spanish. So hopefully I could at least have some kind of conversation with someone. So I spent some time and I, and I listened on an audio thing and I read and I, I learned. I learned a lot of the words in Spanish. I, I really learned a lot of words. I, I could tell you what this word meant and what that word meant. And I, and I got it down pretty well, or at least I thought I did. And then I went there. And here's what I discovered. I had all the words. I, I knew them all in my head. So when people were talking to me, I could kind of follow along. I, I didn't know everything, but I, I could kind of understand what they were saying to me. I, I could follow the conversation. You know what I couldn't do? I could never respond. I never could respond because here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. It's not enough to just know the words. It's not enough to just study, 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 know the words. You have to make this incredible jump in your head where you go from knowing Spanish to thinking in Spanish. And you cannot have a conversation in a foreign language until you learn how to think in that foreign language first. And that's the jump I could never make. I knew all the words, but I couldn't keep up in a conversation because I was having to listen to the words and in my head translate them to English and then formulate my response, translate it back to Spanish and then try to respond. But by that time, everybody had gone home. I mean, it was, <laughs> it's crazy. So, right, you know what I mean? And so you have to learn to think in that other language. This is what God wants you to do. You were born into your native tongue. It's a sinful tongue. And your thought processes are programmed by your sin nature. Your emotions are programmed by your sin nature. We are all born into this. It comes naturally. But what Jesus is out to do is to redeem you. And he's out to transform you. And he's out to change your language from a worldly language to a spiritual language. You can never really have the relationship with God just by studying and studying and studying. Study, 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 that's good. But until you can make that jump 
of thinking like Jesus, you'll never fully experience the power and the presence of God in your life. Can I get an amen about that? That's what he wants you to do. So Peter tells his people, he says, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. This isn't something that comes automatically. Okay, there's no push button, you know, control, alt, delete, boom, now I've rebooted, now I'm rethinking like Jesus. No, it's, it's something you have to prepare for. Self-control is something you have to exercise, right? So put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So sure, your life looks bad right now, but your hope isn't in your pickup truck, right? Your, your hope isn't in your marriage, your, your hope isn't even in your kids. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. That's where your hope is. And so everything about our culture, everything about our world, everything about our thought process tells us to put our hope in the things, to put our hope in the relationships, to put our hope in whatever we can see, see touch, feel, taste, right? That's what everything about us says. But Peter's saying, no, prepare your minds because your hope is somewhere else. You gotta cultivate this idea. You've got to phreneo, that means place firmly, be in position to take action, to mentally gird your loins, to have your mind in order, to determine ahead of time what kind of thought pattern you will have, to have a predetermined thought matrix that when something happens, I'm gonna go here, not there. I'm going to go up, not down. My hope is going to be in him, not in the things of this world. He's saying prepare your minds for this. You want to have a Jesus mindset, not a Steve mindset. Proverbs tells us about that, right? Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Good grief, I wish I was godly. How many times have I omitted this and gone right to this the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words in Romans Paul writes those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit there's something about your thought pattern that works in your favor when you're pleasing the Spirit. Philippians 4, Paul also writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Right? I mean, doesn't that sound a lot better? Doesn't peace that passes all understanding sound a lot better than conflict, internal war, schizophrenia. When you have your mind in order, when you're thinking like Jesus, there's no internal conflict, but you're at peace. You're confident to move forward. Peace, next blank on your page. Peace comes from knowing Christ from knowing Christ, from predetermining that you will know Christ, right? So it's, it's really a pro reprogramming of our minds. Now, let me just say, 
does this negate you know, being led by the Spirit? Of course not. Of course I want you to be led by the Spirit. But listen, contrary to what you'll hear in a lot of popular Christian teaching today, biblically, this is the way the Spirit works. He works by realigning our thoughts so that we think about Him. Popular Christian teaching today has this mentality that you can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, and God will just come down and just grab your heart and lead you somewhere. That's not a biblical thought. It's in this process of phreneo, of setting our minds on Christ, of having our thought patterns controlled by Him rather than controlled by ourselves. That's the way the Spirit moves biblically. And you and I have to discipline our minds to do this. It takes time and it takes discipline. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, this might be the worst news you hear all week. It takes time and discipline, not a push button. It takes time and discipline. And those are two things that our current culture cannot abide. Am I right? Time and discipline. Everything about our culture wants instant gratification, right? It wants you to have what you deserve because your heart is good, right? Follow your heart. Do whatever your heart says. So I'm just here to tell you it takes time and discipline. The Spirit moves through a mind formed around Jesus best. When you have your predetermined phreneo thought process, it will incredibly Reduce the power of your emotions to control your actions, right? It puts you in charge instead of your emotions. Man, I wish, I wish I responded emotionally far, far, far less because whenever I do, it seems to ruin everything, right? I respond emotionally. It seems to break the relationship. You know, it seems to tick somebody off and it ends up making me do things that I know I shouldn't do. It creates a gap in my integrity. Yeah, following our emotions is usually disastrous. Most of the time, your emotions will lead you in the opposite direction from God, from where God wants you to go. I, I, can I just be honest for just a second about this? Can, can, I, be honest? can I be honest for a second? Okay. Okay, thank you. Aaron, for a vote of confidence. This pastor is sick and tired, sick and tired of people lying, gossiping, breaking relationships, and breaking commitments, all in the name of being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of it. I've seen way too much of it happening where people are doing the opposite of what God would ever say in the name of being led by the Spirit. You don't know the voice of God in your life because what you're being led to is the opposite of everything Jesus ever says. And it's destroying you and it's destroying people around you. I'm tired of it. Stop being a fool for your emotions. Stop it. I'm begging you to stop it. I'm talking to myself to stop it. I want you to be led by the Spirit. I want you to have the mind of Christ. And I don't want you to be a fool for your emotions. In Colossians 3, Paul says, Since you have been 
raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on Christ. Lock in to his word. Know what he says and let your thoughts be formed that way. Make that jump from just understanding to thinking in his language. It takes time and it requires discipline, but I believe you can. I believe this is something that you can do and it will bless your life and it'll be a blessing to your family's life. It'll change your family life. It'll change your work life. Man, it'll change everything about you if you can just make that jump to speaking his language. So that's why I'm doing this series. Next week, I'm going to talk about Jesus. Because <laughs> if we want to have the mind of Christ, I think it would probably be good for us to really be clear on who Christ even is. So I want us to really investigate who he is and what he's all about in our lives. I feel like I could do a whole series just on that. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of misinformation in church world about who Jesus is and what he's really doing in your life. So I want us to look biblically at who he is and what he's doing. And then after that, the following couple of weeks, we're going to actually look at some of the things he says. Expect to be broken. Because when I sit down and read the Sermon on the Mount, I can't even. So we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. And I really hope, I pray that you'll join me for that. Maybe you'll bring somebody with you uh, so that we can, last blank on your page, learn to think like Jesus. That's my heart for you and for me is that we'll think like him. Thank you.